0: Hello and welcome to Tech Manor Podcast. This is episode 43 and the final episode of the 2019-20 season, which should mean that we're going into a nice, long, well-deserved rest, which is absolutely not happening because we're going to sign loads of people and we've got three weeks and everyone's back and then we'll start playing preseason friendlies, so there you go. Anyway, we got the Triple J attack today. It's me, James, and we got Jack and John. Jack, how are you doing?
1: Yeah, not too bad. I think we were saying just before, time's a healer, so um, we're slowly getting over uh, whatever happened last week.
0: Yeah, I feel as though it's been, what, a week and a day, and just kind of on Sunday into Monday, I just started, you know, getting over it a little bit, as in, um, you know, a week of recovery. The emotions had settled down, and as I said to you before we started recording, I stopped watching videos of James Henry in lots of space. <laughs> and I also stopped watching someone also like created a gif of a sped up gif of the build up to the um, the penalty. I, I suppose we'll go into that. Who would do that? Uh, oh. But I just couldn't take my eyes off it. I was just like, oh, there's Brown doing the thing again. And there's uh, not chasing the ball. And uh, Lert Moore must have got a shout.
2: It's like the reverse, oh, it was- the reverse of good hypnotic, isn't it? <laughs> How are you doing, John? Yeah, I mean, I'm in good mood today. And like I think the news that we just had and Tiger speaking, I think is going to be a good chat. And um, we with time as well with lots of stuff breaking today. But I'm still a bit haunted at times. I think that all stems back to this sort of losing losing it ourselves and the opportunity and all that stuff that we'll touch on. Um, but yeah, I think feeling a lot, lot better.
0: When you said haunted, this is inappropriate. I thought you were about to say horny. But thank God for that. <laughs> no,
2: it wasn't that it wasn't that two two or three signings is exciting, but not that exciting.
0: <laughs> oh, brilliant. Um right. the Wickham game then. Uh I don't I think everyone has talked about this so much now. I think we can do a nice light touch um just to, to collect thoughts. I think it was a weird experience for us. Jack, you were obviously on a Zoom call again, weren't you, with Connor and was it some other mates and that?
1: Yeah, yeah, It was with Connor and then Sam from the Orchellows. Um as we've done for the, the all the playoff games. So, yeah, it was obviously a bit more um, quiet, perhaps, than the other games had been. But, you know, it's reasonably quite a good way to watch.
0: Nice. Um, Sam's actually had a baby since um, since the game. I think he had a baby last week. So, that's Sam Leslie. What's the baby called? Taylor. I want to say Taylor. That's so, Congratulations. Not, yeah, imagine a different spelling to
2: Matty Taylor, but still, no, it's not, it's exactly uh, the same uh, spelling, okay. Yeah, needs to sign it.
0: I think, um, well, his missus is from Newcastle, but she's now kind of adopted Oxford as a club as well, so maybe there was something in it, but yeah, congratulations, Sam, well done. Um, yeah, we were watching it in my garden, having a barbecue, it's me, Ben, and um, John, obviously, and then we were we joined a Zoom call with. The Radio Oxford guys and Robin Cowan was running running the call, and obviously we were getting progressively more drunk to try and um, kind of filter down the nerves. Emotional, not drunk. Uh, Well, yeah, I think we we held our own. Yeah, um, absolutely. With Steve Kinnebra making apt points, and Rosie was joining in. Liam from the fence end was there as well. It was and Beano obviously, Beano was there. But it's quite a weird experience, actually. The, I was just saying to Jack, we were hoping that that'd be a nice, you know, memory to be able to say we were there on Radio Oxford, chatting with all the guys um, when we had that moment of going getting promoted back to the championship. But it just wasn't to happen. Um, and I feel like if we'd have we didn't join back in after the game, and if we had have done, F- I think have been, yeah, <laughs> we would have been probably focusing in on um, Ainsworth's sun shirt and his cowboy boots and whatever else, but. Yeah, amazing. So, what do we think about the game then? High level in terms of their goal, Jack. It was pretty predictable, wasn't it? The the corner didn't deal with it. Was Eastwood to blame, or just more of a, you know, Jacobson put the ball in the right place.
1: Yeah, he he put the ball in the right place, but you. T- if you'd have, if you could have written down kind of a couple of things you didn't want to happen in the first ten minutes, it was give Wickham a corner. <laughs> you know offer a mistake I mean I think Carl Robinson said in his interview with Radio Oxford that actually you know it hits Eastwood on the ankle and flies in kind of above the player on the line but that the whole 30 seconds of it dropping to the back post and then ending up in the net it was just it was the most Wickham thing that could happen to open a game
0: bloody Wickham John, I felt it just didn't feel real. It was kind of surreal when that went in, as if it just couldn't possibly have happened because it was too predictable.
2: Yeah, I think none of us were overly confident, but I think we were in a way, and just to see that happen sort of prick that bubble, so to speak. And as you say, it's so basic that they, do, they are good at set pieces, but that doesn't mean you, therefore, <laughs> let them score from them. Um, but yeah, I think that whole first half we just didn't, get ourselves going. We've seen that quite a few times against certain teams this season. So it was all a bit of a painful awakening, wasn't it? Yeah. And I think the
0: fear at half time was that we, we saw actually at times in the first half that they were just dropping back to not a back four or a back five, but a back six, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, And we were just like, oh God, this is just it for the remainder of the game. How are we going to break through this? It's going to take a bit of luck. And then uh, after Sykes had kind of Got into He he had a pretty good game, Sykes, but his delivery just wasn't quite there when he managed to get himself into good positions. And that carried on after the um, very intentional cross that went in the back of the net, uh, where he had opportunities to kind of, f- kind of fly the ball across the box in front of the defenders so Taylor could get onto it. And he just kind of mistimed miss, it or misread it or whatever else. But um, he, he was decent otherwise. That went in and... I think for a 10, 15 minutes after that, it was just all us, wasn't it? We were, our centre-backs were kind of playing in Wickham's half type thing. And Jack, I think I had no worries at that point in time that we were going to lose the game. I, th- I thought if we're going to lose it, it's going to be in penalties because we just can't break them down. And then do you want to talk us through your view of that, the build-up to that penalty?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, as you say, we'd had our 10, 15 minutes and after... um the various chances or domination that we had, you just thought they're going to get a chance, Wickham, and if they take it, that could be curtains. And then, yeah, I think um, you see the ball kind of dropping and a more ducking, and I remember just going, oh, God, and then you see it bounce, then you see the strike, then you see Eastwood kind of come in. It, 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 oh. Again, I said, if you could write three things down that you didn't want to happen... Like horror moments. That is one of them because it was a blatant penalty. It was a sheer mistake from definitely more, possibly Eastwood as well, and then compounded by the fact Marcus Brown just stopped. And actually, all three of them had the chance to not commit to the kind of error they produced. And it, oh, that's why it's so frustrating that we will always
0: replay that moment for years. This is a really healthy thing to do, John. But give us. Your view of who's to blame in a top three? <laughs> <laughs> Constructive criticism, please.
2: I I think in a way more in Brown's an interesting one because Kr in his interview I think it was with Jerome yesterday or the day before directly said yeah he should have he should have sorted that he he should have been cleaned gone through on goal and and had a shot and shouldn't have left that and you hear that Brown was absolutely devastated after the game as well so it sort of suggests that he he really he realized how big a mistake he'd made himself Elliot Moore there's a theory going around that he fell for the old other players shouting leave it and sort of missed it like that and probably should have headed it away
0: it it might have been one one of the wankers in the stands it seemed like Wickham brought their own like cheerleading American football style um oh god it was just it was just ridiculous to be fair I don't anyway.
2: I don't hold too much against Eastwood because you just see that thing that a thousand times keepers just come flying out. Sometimes they do an amazing save and it's a brilliant moment. Other times they just clean them out. And there's something that seems to be in goalkeepers' mind to go, actually no, I'll stay on my stay on my line and see what happens. But I don't hold too much against Eastwood with the adrenaline of it all flying yeah. out flying out of his goal. So I think it's it's a bit of a tie for me because I think Brown could have just stopped the whole process happening and i guess in a way that makes him first in your top top three no, challenge I I,
0: i've got um mine is more as the most cul- culpable because he just had he could just headed it out. True, true. and i think uh with brown yeah th- that's the difficult thing isn't it he was literally as you say he would have been cleaned through um bar i think jacobson who's not very fast who was the only defender in between um, kind of Brown and the goal, but he was obviously tracking a different run toward heading back to his goal. And then Liam Kelly was also um, over. So it was either just pass the ball to Kelly and he's got a free shot at goal or um, use Kelly to kind of take the defender away. So you can tell I've looked a little bit too much into what could have happened. <laughs> you, you could back. argue
2: that for some players who perhaps might have a different mentality – would have gone for that to try and still keep it in and made a different decision. Um, so that's something perhaps that comes into it. I think it's definitely worth a shout for, for Kelly and KR's switch coming on. I was really pleased to see that yeah, at the time. Yeah. And I remember th- went, thinking back to the Newcastle game when he came on and just dictated the tempo in a really good way. And I thought that was a really good switch. And um, he's, he certainly played well in that game. He looked at he looked absolutely immense when he came on and he he definitely dictated
0: the pace of the game and got obviously we were controlling possession a lot more but a lot of that was down to him. and the noticeable thing is he wasn't just playing short tidy passes he was pinging the ball all over the place wasn't he and it was accurate pretty much 90 95 percent of the time type thing it was it was really impressive i hope i hope we keep him
1: he had a real calming effect on Branigan as well because Branigan yeah. in the first half was getting incredibly frustrated and doing that thing where he ends up all over the pitch. Um, with Kelly there, it kind of did calm Branigan down. It wasn't a surprise that actually we started to get on top of the game because Branigan could attempt to play his usual game. Kelly ran everything and we've, we've talked about Sykes already. But yeah, it was key because Gorin wouldn't have lasted 90 minutes. Um, so to, you know, essentially sacrifice him and get a more creative player on, you know, it it was a bit of tactical genius. It's just a, a shame the result didn't reflect
0: the brilliance of it. Yeah. And because we didn't mention it, John, that the Henry chance, I know I've kind of talked about it right at the beginning of the pod. But ha- do you think you've said why didn't he shoot as many times as you did
2: in a, in a one minute period before? I think I say it in my sleep at times. <laughs> um, I, it's of, of the three options of you know near post, left left hand side post, and crossing it. Crossing it still seems to be a firm third in the in the pecking order. So yeah, we'll we'll never know. But I think as I think as you summed it up in the tweet we put out, he's had a fantastic season, and I, I don't think it should be remotely tarnished because of that no, that one no. shot. And as others have
0: definitely said, like if Taylor. You know, kind of similar to like the Ipswich goal, where I, I know it's very different, and Henry wasn't in as good a position when we beat them one nil away. But that he kind of first time crossed it to Taylor, and it just looked like the obvious decision. And if maybe that defender, what was his name for them, Stuart. Stuart, yeah. I mean, Not it, just Stuart. All
2: right, Stuart. um If, if he think, yeah. if he thinks it's an it's an a safer bet, because he thinks he can just roll it into Taylor, and the other guy anticipates it, and maybe. Fair enough. But it just felt like a put your foot through it and if it rebounds off the keeper, so what? It was on target. Um, it didn't seem like such a banker. But maybe he could see a bit of Taylor pass the defender that we couldn't. Who knows?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, so
0: we lost the game. It was very sad. Akin were just, just did one of those interviews where you're just like, come on, man. I, I mean, he's, he's a character. I'll give him that. But Jesus Christ. And um, <laughs> KR's interview... I think it was a few days later, wasn't it, with um, Radio Oxford with Jerome. It was quite interesting because it reminded me of different parts of the season last year or maybe it was even pre-season when we're talking about um, are the board actually behind him? I think it was during the season, wasn't it? When he was giving interviews, kind of questioning the board's
2: Yeah, and then the the Blackpool rumour came up and it it came up again then as well.
0: Uh, Yeah, yeah. I kind of, everything seems to blend into one now. I'd never remember when those things were coming about, but yeah, there were definitely questions from Nathan, weren't there, like after games talking about it and getting kind of leading answers. Um, yeah, it was it was difficult. But anyway, so all of that's kind of resurfaced a little bit again and has been promptly p- kind of put to bed a little bit by Tiger in the, in the fans forum. But KR was previously saying like, uh, he kind of said, if we don't build properly now, um, we're not going to be able to kind of, push for promotion next year. Um, Will we ever have an opportunity again? Um, If we don't build now, then we probably won't type thing. Um, Yeah. He was just saying the club needs to keep that kind of trajectory. It's a hard word to say that, isn't it? Trajectory.
2: Uh, I find it weird that for me, I'm, I'm slightly fed up with the sort of the board's intentions being kind of questioned. I think they've generally sort of been pretty firm and steady. Yes. The first, season when we were getting the winding up orders and stuff was clearly like some issues that they hadn't foreseen. But beyond that, it's been pretty, pretty steadfast. And But I also understand that KR's got to agitate in the right way to sort of get the money he needs at a simple level to do his job. Um, but I think it does all boil back to the, him, him and the board then saying, no, we've got a great relationship. So yeah, it, there's a- an
1: interesting point here. I think KR did say it in his interview with Jerome that the things he says in these interviews, they almost come across as the types of thing he wants to say to like his, his PA or whoever he goes into meetings with. But he did say in uh, the, the session with Radio Oxford, he said, I don't actually have anyone that kind of is the communication between me and the board and I'm looking at bringing someone in to be that. And it almost feels like he uses these meetings with Jerome as a way of sounding out what he's going to say to the board it's just unfortunate that they're the kind of published words. So it does come across as if he's kind of um, putting the pressure on a little bit more than perhaps he is. He's just kind of saying what he's thinking. But because it's an interview sense, it sounds scarier is the kind of reflection I've taken from it now.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. And my main take from that initial interview that was confusing was that he kind of opened up by saying that he does. He isn't really clear on the board's vision, but then closed it by kind of saying that he was really happy with the board's long-term plan, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, oh, I don't really understand what, what's what been said. Um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It, it was a bit of a contradiction of, of kind of where he was at. And also the, another thing I was remembering is Mr. Mac, as we like to call him, Niall McWilliams, um, definitely did one of the five minutes fan... <laughs> five-minute fan forums and was saying that we had a plan irregardless of how the season concludes whether we're still in league one whether we went up automatically whether we're in the playoffs we had a plan that factored in kind of pre-season um players that we'd be targeting whatever else and i you know we hear all of that stuff it can't be just he wouldn't be sharing that um on the bbc if it wasn't there wasn't something in it so I don't know.
2: Um, and surely K.R. Anyway. knows what those plans, forms are, and maybe he's pivoting to try and get somewhere in between the League One and, and the championship budget, maybe. Yeah, yeah.
0: I just feel like it. I don't understand for a club at our size why there isn't more of a united front and why hairs are set racing on the back of some of those interviews. Because you kind of listen, you go, oh, crap, does that mean he's going to bail on us? Or if, if a better offer comes around like Bristol City show a bit of interest or something is that, you know, is that the type of thing he would be interested in or even Sunderland or Ipswich or something like that? You know, I just, is he testing the waters? It just feels a little bit tiring. And I, lo- I really love the guy now. I think he's come on leaps and bounds, but there's still that little bit of um, how he kind of acts in the media. And this wasn't necessarily one of those emotive post, post match interviews either. You had time to collect
2: thoughts and think about what he was going to say. So, he did, Who knows? he did still, I mean, I listened to that interview and the thing that came out of me strongly is how hard he was hurting from that interview and it sort of, I think it really, really hit him hard. I think he, he saw that as a good opportunity to get into the championship. I think he sees himself as a championship manager and I'm, and I'm not saying he isn't a championship manager, but there's, I think for him the best opportunity for, is to be is to become a championship manager by getting a team promoted. I don't think a team in the championship is necessarily going to come for him per se. Um, So I think it's all a bit of his own ambition, hopefully with us, or a bit of kind of just sort of keeping his options open really. But ultimately, he's got a two-year deal and I don't think anyone in the current climate is going to sort of be too, take too many risks, um, especially in football. Yeah. We had the... Tiger, um,
0: well, Tiger was on the the fans forum just this evening, as we, we referenced earlier. Jack, what were your main kind of takeaways from that? Because it was largely positive, right?
1: Yeah, so it it kind of not set straight, but dampened any panic that had come from the KR word. So he said, you know, Carl's central to everything. Um, he's, we can't see him go anywhere. He's happy. He's got a long-term contract, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that that you know that's positive. And actually, I I think Tiger's communication within those spheres has improved tenfold. Because if you remember when he first yeah, bought the yeah. club, and there was that cringeworthy press conference where every question he answered with about three words, and it appeared that his English wasn't very good. I think we can now put down to nerves because. The way he answered tonight was, you know, to the point, he didn't dwell too much on possible things. So he got asked about Matty Taylor and he just said, don't really want to talk about it right now, but Matty knows how we feel. He didn't get dragged down that, oh, we've offered him a million pounds or this or that or this. Um, the one interesting thing, um, which I think both KR and Tiger have done in the past few days, without blatantly saying it, Rob Dickey is going, isn't he? There's, there's all these words about oh, well, there'll be a lot of interest and it'll be the right price and there's big clubs in for him. He, he is going. There is no way Rob Dickey will be in an Oxford shirt come whenever the
0: season begins. Yeah, I agree with that. John, what about you? Did you manage to to listen to it or have you seen the notes?
2: Yeah, I've listened back to it and um, I, was, yeah, I was really positive, the number of things from it. I still find this... I mean, two to three players coming in within a week... I just thought founding sounds incredible. I mean, I'll absolutely take it if they're right, the right players and one on a record wage for the club that we've ever seen. Yeah. That's amazing. That isn't it? If that's true.
0: I I also think it's amazing to announce
2: that for the sake of the rest of the playing squad being like, "Oi!" well, another good point. I was going to say why, and as we've seen with other seasons, why announce that we're about to do things? And then if they do go wrong, we kind of end up in this, well, as blame starts getting apportioned and all those sorts of things. Um, I still don't understand how they can really know properly what their budgets are given, yes, we've got an idea when fans will come back. We don't know how much the percentage of that, um, how all these things will play out, um, sort of TV revenues, all these sorts of things. But I mean, that is really encouraging from a, things have been, we haven't got wrapped up in the end of the last season. We've been looking forward as well as looking to the present, but I'll be very intrigued to see who that is. I mean, I guess a lot of the speculation is, matt taylor's one of them and he did sound like it was kind of in a pretty good place but yeah do I you mean, reckon it do you reckon taylor might be the the one on the club record wage potentially um but i mean he's he's probably going to have been on like i don't know 10 10k a week or something so we probably i guess we're probably looking at having to pay 7 8 9 k a week for him or something it, um could be someone else though. Quite easy. I don't think it's Liam Kelly though. I don't. I think Liam Kelly would be on a fortune, given he's a Dutch Premier League player technically. So I don't think it's him.
1: If it is Taylor, it shows what a good deal he got when he left Bristol Rovers. Um, yeah. In terms of you know us having to make him our highest ever paid player, when you think of some of the uh, players we've had over time, um, I think the the one interesting thing that didn't actually get dwelled on too much by tiger was that the the main sponsor in singer is now being confirmed as uh, kind of not not being the main sponsor from next season um i i presume and assume it's down to the fact they can't sell their own beer in our stadium <laughs> and what yeah, what, maybe. what are they getting out of sponsoring us in terms of yes they've got their you know the logo on the shirt but if they can't sell their you know the bread and butter if you like then there's
0: not much in it for the moment of thought. I mean, that's not really a th- how it works, though, is it? For most other sponsors, so I'm trying to think of a good example. artis. they're not busting out the animal artis in the stadium. I don't know. I, I get the point. <laughs> um, yeah. I wonder what we'll go to, John. Who would be your Who would be your preference in terms of sponsor? Mini has been mentioned. What's your fav what's your favourite kind of product?
2: What do you want on the shirt? Wow, that was not in the pre- <laughs> that was not in the pre-chat. Um <laughs> I think something quite not embarrassing, but kind of semi random, like um like Detol or something like that. <laughs> or like yes. probably very apt for the current um semi-bang. current situation um we're in. But um I don't know, something something not too like not nothing like sort of corporate like Mini or or whatever, something that's kind of a little bit, I think,
0: niche, quirky.
2: Yeah, definitely not a betting company or anything, or the sort of those kind of sort of standard sponsors most teams seem to have. But something semi quirky, but obviously not a not another Wang computers. Um,
0: yeah, Jack, what do you reckon our shittest sponsor has been in recent history that's just made you look at apart from animal artists? Well, (laughs) Well, it's made you look at a shirt um, and go, It was
1: black and rounds. That oh, is the the whole, the whole story around why we had them is ridiculous because essentially we couldn't get a sponsor. So Daryl Eel set up a second company with, um, to make sure we could have one. And then that monstrosity of a logo appeared. I mean...
0: <laughs> it's like created on like a Word document, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well. uh, anyway, um, good chat, good chat. We, we never really... Actually, just before I move on, move back to something else. Yeah. Um, so Tiger said we'd be signing um, potentially two or three players in the next week, but then also said that we wanted to get all of our business done in the next three weeks, be it that we're due to report back um, in three to four weeks time, I think he said. So that's an interesting thing to call out. So I think we've heard that before. Um, and obviously, like you say, John, it's just a case of maybe we should keep our mouth shut so it doesn't set expectations. Then we all get very upset and emotional when nothing actually plays out but perhaps the board can say well we had things in motion it didn't work out we tried oh well I don't know we'll see how it all goes um just because I'll forget if we don't talk about it now um Jack in terms of like the impact of not going up which you know it's a, it could be this could drown us in depression but um what are the main things that you're looking at in terms of things that we need to be thinking about is is League One going to be real real challenge next year is the championship have we kind of missed an opportunity because of the you know we talked about this before but the the financial landscape of things um is the the stadium something we have missed out on because of it i I don't know
1: i think the stadium will forever be an issue i don't think promotion it might have helped but i don't think it would have sealed anything um in terms of the, the the financial landscape I don't think we'll really realise if it was a big chance to kind of take advantage a little bit until till you know another year's time. And as for the strength of the league next year, I think it's gonna be a very, very competitive league because we've heard about Dara McAnton's Operation Vengeance, Hate Everyone Else project. <laughs> um but I mean Blackpool have made a few eye catching signings already. You've got Whoever comes down, you know, there's potentially people like Chef Wednesday who might come down if they have points deductions, etc. Sunderland oh, yeah. yeah. must end up being quite good at some point, third time lucky, perhaps. <laughs> um, you'd hope we'd be in there. Fleetwood will probably go again. Pompey, Ipswich, <sighs> yeah, it's Wish got-
0: Fleetwood would just
1: sod off. Well, really I do want them to be irrelevant and collapse. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. I think it's easy to almost panic a little bit and think, oh, no, this was our best chance ever and it's all going to be awful next year. But I think it's too soon to start wondering if the COVID finance impacts would have benefited us or not.
2: Yeah. John, anything to add to that? Yeah, I think that's about right. I think next season will be competitive and and fun. Um, I think there definitely was a, a sizable opportunity in terms of getting into the Championship now. I mean, listening to the um, the Price of Football fog, um, podcast even, um, they were talking about how the average wage in the championship is 31 million. And in League One, it's a lot lot less than that. So they were saying there is still a big gap, but I think that comes down significantly. I think you can still do well in the championship with good players and good management. Um, and then there would be smaller squad sizes, um would be players available that we wouldn't necessarily expect it. So I think it still was a good opportunity. And that's what I think will haunt me slightly. Um, But I sort of compare it a bit to, you know, when you were at work and you get an opportunity to step up into your boss's role or attend really exciting meetings and and that sort of thing. And then it gets taken away from you, and you're back to doing the job you were doing before, and you didn't hate that job, <laughs> but you've you've seen what you could have had, and I sort of feel yeah, a bit, like yeah. I sort of feel a bit like that about the whole thing, really. And, I, and I'll get over it in like, you know, a couple of months' time and the new season and all that. So I think it was, but I think Jack's right to say we won't know how much of an opportunity, and um, it sounds like we're investing how we need to be. Um, so I think we yeah. just got to take it as it is. The, the thing that is
0: interesting is if we are going to, we're all alri- already looking to invest back in the playing squad. And we heard that, how many games did we have left when the season was canned? Like 12, 11 or 12 or something, maybe? I don't remember. Something maybe like 10. Yeah, um, I,
2: think, I think it was nearer 10, maybe eight, eight, eight or nine, but, actually, they,
0: but we said that as a result of not having um, the gate receipts, we're losing, what was it, like 400 grand ish? In our case, I remember um, Dave Pritchard maybe mentioning that. I don't want to quote you too much, Dave, if you're listening. Um, but yeah, you got to think that if this carries into next year, and we st- yes, some, the government have mentioned something about October, but we don't really know what that looks like in any detail yet, I don't think. And obviously, a second wave could be a thing, whatever else. But yeah, fair play to the board for committing... Um, Towards bringing some people in to be competitive next year, amongst the you know all the chaos that's still really going on in the background. So
2: it assumes people want to go will want to go back to football grounds to the same scale or frequency. I think we to agree we're assuming everyone's just going to want to power back in and get to back some normality. I don't think that's might not be the case, or certainly won't get as bigger attendances as we might think of anyway.
0: Yeah, I was just thinking for the sake of missing out on. Um, money for 10 games is for, if that equates to 400 grand. I don't know, maybe that isn't the right um, mass to be applying at that that point, but you know, that could add up and add up and add up. And then you're in, you know, maybe it's because we know Rob Dickey's gone and he's going for 26 million pounds. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> um, what do we actually think about the um, playing squad then? So, in terms of we've heard a bit about um, Joel Cooper from Jack. Where's he from? Le, 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 le. Uh, Linfield. Linfield. I knew you'd know it. What's his favourite colour? <laughs> uh, it'll be
1: yellow, soon.
0: <laughs> I like it. But yeah, are we excited about that? I, I watched a few videos. It was empty stadiums, so he's used to playing in front of empty stadiums.
1: Yeah, um, I think he um, seems to be the next one that uh, our whoever our Northern Irish kind of scout is um, seems to have identified him, so you can only be excited based on White and Sykes, and the the kind of view from over there is very positive of him. And he's you know twenty twenty four, I think. Nice um, aiming for the national team, so it it could work well all round. And you know, it worked in the sense that if he comes here and does well, he knows he can go you know to bigger and better things. So it, I think you can you know, only project. file him
2: as if he hits the ground running and gets in the team, it's a, it's a bonus. I think, so for example, I think we need two wingers, for example. I wouldn't necessarily say he is one of those wingers because he's still got to come into the game and just took Sykes a while to get going. So it's a, he sounds like a perfect, why wouldn't it make sense player to sign? Um, I think yeah. he's got to be one of other signings though. It's an obvious thing to he say. had, what was it? 13 goals and 17
0: assists. I don't really care what league he's in. Well, I know yeah. I should care, but I still look at that and I think that is those numbers are, are incredible. Um, so, yeah, that's, I still think it's really exciting. And perhaps, I know we've said this in a WhatsApp or whatever, but maybe if we can loan Gavin White back, because he hasn't really been ever present at all, has he, for... Um, Where is he? Cardiff. Cardiff Do I want to say yeah. Cardiff? Yeah, along with Nelson. He, yeah, he struggled in a way, um, hasn't had a great season. I kind of look around, apart from Lunny... Ledson doesn't really play. I know he's only still like 22, 23. Played like 10 league games. White didn't feature that much. Nelson was struggling to get in. And even, to be fair, Lundstrom didn't play that much in the championship season where they
2: got promoted. It was. It's quite um, it's I think, interesting. I think they all do get signed with a, a slight mark against them as being development-type players and not necessary to go straight in. Unless they just hit the ground running. But White's a surprise because he's ultimately a pacey winger. And, you know, there is a mouse to it, obviously. But you'd think he would have done done a bit better. And yeah, I'd have snapped someone's hand off to have him back on low. Yeah, front, a front three. Play Sykes
0: on the right, Cooper on the left, and White through the middle.
1: I've just had a look, and White's played nine minutes of football in the however many games since the 2nd of February, about 12 maybe. He's been a lot, an unused sub about eight times. Exactly. And then hasn't been even in the squad the last few times. So if Cardiff were to blag going up by the playoffs, I think he'd definitely be available for loan and even if they stay down.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, he, another championship team is, I would say is unlikely to, to be pulling him in unless it's one of the teams that have gone up or a, a really struggling team. So that it'll be interesting. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him at another League One club. You know, like a Sunderland or something. Takes a gamble. I should stop saying these things, just in case there's any uh people listening to this from the northeast. Um, what else has happened then? Mackie's obviously retired. That was hot off the press today, wasn't it? Um,
2: John, expecting that? Not the retirement. No, I, I, I thought he would want to carry on playing, and I. I mean, jumping ahead to the slight negatives, I wouldn't have wanted to see us offer him a new deal despite what I'm sure he does bring from a role in the dressing room type of thing. I mean, I think we're all ever thankful for that goal against Bradford, that gravity-defining finish against Lincoln. Um, We all love that lockdown video. And personally, he scarred my mind of what he tried to do to that Fleetwood centre-back with his index finger, which won't regale that story for anyone, but I'll leave it to your imagination. Um but we've come, we've talked about we can't be hypocrites and say that we, you know, he's been a great player much of this season. We've we've talked about him extensively and you could argue does he is he the right player for our system and all those sorts of things. But um I think he's a great he's been a he's a great character. And um I think we've just got to look enjoy the times and the laughs we've had with him, really. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Jack, anything to add to that? Um no
1: I, I I'm surprised he's retired um in a way I'm this sounds horrible but i'm I'm glad he has because it does stop kr from offering him a new deal because all the words yeah. suggested that he was gonna go into so it makes him concentrate early on another forward um and the one thing just looking at some of the stats that appeared I was surprised to see that he'd played 91 times for us.
0: 91?
1: 91 in two seasons because of the sheer amount of cup games and stuff we've had. Wow. Um,
0: that's that's a real surprise. Seven goals in 91 games. I mean, he's not prolific, but he never was really. But he did score against Man City in that um, Aguero game, didn't he? So he's, you know. Anyway, um, cheers, Jamie Mackey, for the memories and absolutely that Bradford goal. Um, I, I don't think we can underestimate how important that, that is. Or was um, Rob Dicky? We talked about a bit already. He's going to be off. He, I, I consider him our, you know, our prize asset. And I think he, my opinion on this, I don't know if it's controversial, but I, I think he is the only player that would actually go up to the championship or beyond. I definitely think he would go straight. He could go straight into a starting lineup in the championship. As a, he's what he's what twenty four years old. He's a ball playing centre back. He he likes to play. Um, he carries the ball well. Like I think he's got absolutely everything. Um, John, how much do you reckon we we deserve for his services in normal times, not thinking about COVID? Uh,
2: I think the, I think we've got to be putting a strong case for well over a million. Um, it's more. Getting- <laughs> Elliot Moore um, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think getting getting to two is I don't know might be a tad ambitious I completely agree with you that he could go straight into a starting 11 in the championship and I think it is to a degree easier for centre-backs to do that um, moving to Branigan I think there is an interesting debate about whether he will now go um, he's only got a year left on his deal so I think there is a degree of pressure to yeah, get va- get value for him, and I don't think he, I don't think Brannigan would sign another deal if we offered it to him because I think he'll want to get the move if he can. But I don't think he I think he goes to possibly a championship club, but there's no way he gets near the first team. And equally, he might not go because teams might not think actually that player that we thought he might be good in two three years time. We can't afford to sign him at the moment. Let's leave him in League One and let him rip it up for a season, which is what I would want Cameron Brannigan to do because he's been. Great, good, bad, and indifferent this season. And I think the points that Jack made about what Kelly enabled him to do when Kelly was on the field and allowed Brannigan to actually concentrate on a on a specific task is absolutely right. And we haven't seen enough of that Cameron Brannigan this season at times. Yeah. In my view. Yeah. Jack, do you
0: think he's got... I, I don't think um, Cam would... And I, I also think, by the way, that because of... The finale to the season and he wasn't quite fit was he in the last like 10 games that we played or so and he it, it was as if he was nursing an injury but actually it was more a fitness thing but i think that would have helped if there was anyone that was seriously scouting him looking at next season I, I to john's point i don't see him heading towards the championship at the age of 24 um and all that being the right move in his career right now but maybe he'd be a squad player maybe other some of the other big teams in league one would be flirting around what do you reckon
1: I, I don't think he's been fit since his injury around Christmas yeah. um, and that has therefore impacted on the kind of January February games I still don't think he was the real Cameron Brannigan if you like for the playoffs that being said um, I wouldn't be surprised if someone took a gamble knowing that we would want to cash in knowing there's a year left He's, I think John's right he's not going to sign a new deal but um, and that puts us in a very Curtis Nelson-like position where we know, and Dunkley for that, we know they're going to go. We know we can't sell them um, for money. So do we gamble and get rid now? Do we let them run their contract down? KR's already said he doesn't want anyone to go in January. So that's kind of taken the cut price move out. So he either goes now for a, a fee or goes on a free. Um t- ha- your point on Ledson, um, we've seen Rothwell, he's played 30-odd times both seasons True, for Blackburn, yeah. but they're, they're not ripping it up. I, I'm i with John that I think Branigan should stay with us for another year, um, You know, play 46 games or whatever, get a kind of player-of-the-season type thing under his belt, help us to promotion and then look look to see where he can go. Because um, I think you're right, James, of his career, a move now to the Championship isn't going to see him play regularly. Yeah,
0: yeah. Let's hope that that is what what happens because I think obviously when he is fit, he is absolutely one of the best players in this league. He was he was up there with goals and assists, wasn't he, for the in the early stages of the season.
2: He went I mean, on a run where he was scoring, you know, nice goals, sort of twenty yards out, bottom corner type of thing, and that's when I was like, right, he's nailed that. That gets him the move. Um, sounds simple, but yeah. he scores goals as a midfielder. Ledson, for example. And this time, Ledson definitely wouldn't have moved because he is just essentially a very good holding midfielder to sort of compare the two. Yeah. What, what about Jack? There's some other
0: rumours flying around, isn't there?
1: Yeah, the one that seems to have the most coverage in terms of, <laughs> I'm going to say appearing in media, but it's kind of on these um, fans outlet type sites, uh, is Jazz Richards. He's a fullback who's been at Cardiff most recently and um, was at Fulham for a bit has spent his career in the kind of Championship and Premier League, but yeah, I think he's 29 and hasn't actually played that many games. Um, so he, to be honest, he could even be the one that's the record wage because, as I say, he's spent his entire career in the higher leagues um, as a professional. Um, and then the other one that's cropped up a couple of times on Twitter, but it's hard to tell if there's anything in it, is um, I can't remember how you say his first name. Edwards, the winger from Ipswich. Um,
0: oh, the blonde—is he the blonde guy? Pass. <laughs>
1: like? I can't remember <laughs> the blonde um,
0: guy. <laughs> I know, but there's an. Oh. He's at Ipswich now. Sorry. Yeah. Um. Okay. I was just trying to have a look. Oh no, it's not the guy I was thinking of. Okay. Okay. Nice. But
1: um, I mean, the the Edwards would fit down John's. I need. I want more wingers. And I think I agree with that because I think we missed Nathan Holland and or Fozu massively in those playoffs as a proper out-and-out go-at-them winger.
0: Yeah. So is he a right back or a left back? More of a right back?
1: Uh, Richards can play either side, I think.
0: Okay. That's interesting. Versatile. We like that. It's a good name, Jazz, as well. Okay. Nice. It helps to balance out the kind of the other names we've got in the squad, I think. Bit of Jazz in there. (laughs) Um something that's relevant to players that we may or may not be able to bring in is the all this chatter around the salary cap stuff. Um Jack, being our research guru, you've you've taken a bit of a look into this. And Tiger mentioned it in the, the fans forum and he, he kind of said that um what is it, two and a half million is a salary cap for League One and eight I forget what it is for the championship. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, a, it's a ridiculous it's, amount more.
1: Yeah, so it's two and a half for League One, about eighteen million for the championship, which is I mean, that gap is ludicrous.
0: Yeah, how are you meant to progress that was his point, wasn't it? Like how do you kind of progress and adjust adjust to that? And I know no one no one's saying you have to then go up and then spend shitloads of money um just to get as close to the cap. That's just not how things work. But at the same time, don't limit the clubs that are striving to to get there. Um or make it a real challenge but it's, what happens to teams that come down is it a similar well, parachute payment thing or
1: I, I think this is the unknown because it's a whole new idea yeah you, you'd assume they'd either have x many seasons to meet the cap yeah or or there's some kind of financial assistance almost that that is um paid because we've seen it with Sunderland already and we might touch on it later, but Stuart Donald's already said that they're going to have the biggest playing budget in League One next year. And you know for a fact it's going to be more than £2.5 million. So, yeah, the, the, it, the, it does surprise me. The EFL never really seem to think about these big decisions. They just seem to throw them on a page and hope that they can sneak them um, kind of
2: through the back door. It's like the opposite of payment um, parachute payments in a way except the clubs are paying for them themselves, but it's saying you've got the ability to spend £10 million this season, whereas everyone else hasn't. So it's an advantage, but in a different form. Um, And also, they're surely not going to be able to implement it for this season. It's going to have to come in season after because there's not enough time. If people are already signing club record wages, as Tiger's talking about, well, that can't be with a salary cap in mind.
1: Well, this is the thing. So... Uh, in the Portsmouth local press, they were saying that if, if they suddenly brought it in now, um, then, yeah, your Portsmouth, your Sunderlands would immediately fail it. Um, so, yeah, you'd, you'd assume that it would be for vote now for the start of the 21 but the fact it seems to be getting so much noise at the minute, it feels like they might try and sneak it in for now. But then, yeah, what do you do when the window is open and people at like Bristol Rovers have already signed 3 or 4 players so
2: and every and everyone this season in league 1 will spend a fortune if they're able to put their club at risk post covid anyway just to try and get into the championship yeah but that, isn't it.
0: it isn't it at your own discretion like as an owner and as a... I, I know you don't want to see more the berries or what's happening with Wigan at the moment or whatever else but it's still at the risk of the people that own the football clubs Towards
2: what they want to do and how much they want to invest, and well, that all boils—it all boils down to the responsible ownership and sustainable growth in football clubs. And unfortunately, yeah. we, unfortunately, we see the good, bad, and and the, the downright horrible when it comes to to Berry and, and Wigan. Obviously, um, if you've got responsible owners, they should be able to spend what they like. And I've got sympathy with the sort of that argument. I used to be in the camp of it's a good idea. Because it does protect the Accringtons, you know Andy Holt, their chairman, is very good on various social media about explaining how clubs of his size work, and it protects those sorts of clubs. But equally, if, you do, if you're doing I, yeah. it responsibly, you should be able to. Well, if, you should have that ability to do it, but it will create massive exceptions. That but, but then you find your level, though, don't you? Is the thing like
0: if you're Accrington and you talk about being sustainable and what you need from that. Surely, eventually, you find your level, just like Fleetwood should find their level in the Conference North or whatever. Because it's like <laughs> when you think about the amount of income coming into the club, the model the clubs have, like our our model is more based around player sales than anything else, isn't it?
2: Um. So I, I just, I don't really, I just don't really get it. But you, I, what I, you will move to, what you'll still risk is the Fleetwood is a good example. So I believe most of their financial backing comes from one chairman who is particularly wealthy if his ability to have the money he has collapses Fleetworth could easily go into administration or slip down through the leagues and end up in conference north and it's i suppose it's the degree of protecting against that sort of stuff happening but where's the but you could still more? go
0: into you could still go into administration with a 2.5 million salary you know sure. salary cap yeah. like i don't know i i i kind of understand it from one one hand i reckon they'll end up lifting that up because it just it just doesn't work for some especially now when you look at the quality in league 1 and the size of the clubs it just levels levels things out too much for the teams that do have you know um responsible owners and a sustainable kind of model and do want to invest i just there's got to be some some kind of balance there um but anyway Is there anything else that's come out of that? We've gone off on one a bit there. It's quite interesting though. I think
1: there's been some interesting comments. I mean, again, KR in his interview with Jerome Sale um, said quite an interesting snippet in that he referred to it. He kind of said, say hello to Premier League 2, particularly around the reference to that that difference in um, alleged wage salary cap between League One and Championship, you, you know. He said it does feel like it, you know, it could easily end up with another, you know, twenty odd clubs that just fly away and are in a different world. Um and interestingly, the PFA did actually raise an objection to this in June. Um whilst understanding and they mentioned Berry and Wigan like we have, um he said Gordon Taylor said it's not fair on those innovative, well managed clubs who are prepared to have a go within their means. And I think Mark Catlin at Pompe said, well, it doesn't make sense. So a club with 30K average attendance and you know you get huge commercial revenues can only spend the same as someone with a 2K average attendance and no commercial income. Yeah, exactly. How, exactly. It, and I think Plymouth's chairman said that the current salary cap management protocol, which exists, which is Not clubs enough. are allowed to spend up to 60% um, of their annual turnover – he wants that to be tighter and stricter because it feels like the EFL have just kind of written that in a rule book and never, ever looked at it. Hence why we end up with your Wiggins and Berries and things like that. So I think this one's going to rumble all summer. Um, but, you know, who, who knows what happens because the EFL never use common sense, do they?
0: <laughs> That's interesting. I absolutely agree with what the... Who was it from Pompey? Was it their chairman, sorry? or uh, Yeah, their CEO. PTO. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly where what I was trying to get at, but wasn't articulating particularly well. Um, right. Should we, should we talk about, just have a bit of reflection on the season then that's gone by? I think we can, obviously we were saying it's generally been an absolute season to remember. It's right up there. It's just such a shame that we didn't cap it off with the promotion, as we all know, but Fair to say, a season of spells, John. We had a really and I looked back at this and I remembered going to Fleetwood, you know, we, we drove drove up there. I've mentioned Fleetwood far too many times yeah. in this pod. But um remember driving there for that two one defeat. And at that time, and I, I completely forgot about the absolute shit show of our start to the season where we won one game and it was against Peterborough one nil. But how many games was it? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, Seven games, we had that one win against Peterborough and that Fleetwood game put us on um, yeah, one win in six or seven.
2: That's ridiculous, but slow start. Well, we were facing, I remember regular pods talking about the same old issues and talking about how the great run at last season was just exactly that and the same challenges hadn't been sorted. Um, I remember that battering we got at Burton at home was incredibly worrying because that wasn't yeah, a team a 4-2. we were suddenly yeah. saying well that's not a team that should be happening that should be happening again but then if you contrast it with the following 15 games 14th of september to the 29th of december played 15 won ten, drew four lost one which was of course the game we attended built <laughs> in keen's dons because um, uh, that's just how we this is how we operate um and then of course that's us- always the case with us isn't it it's like even I remember I
0: know we went to Lincoln and obviously we'll, we'll probably get onto that in a minute but I went to the you know, the Bolton game a few of us went to that that was nil-nil and that was in between four wins well, I, and then I went I, to Accrington away that was two all and that was in between either side of five
2: wins right like, well, I generally looked at our attendance record as a bit of a are we just a curse and should we not go to games anymore the answer is we're still going to go to games regardless but we had, people, we had people from the pod. Uh, Sunderland, Blackpool. Sunderland was a draw. Blackpool, we lost. Fleetwood, we lost. Accrington we drew. Bolton, we drew. And it was a particularly shocking performance. Doncaster, we lost. Burton, we drew. MK Dons, we lost. Jack, I think you went to Bristol Rovers away. Um, yeah, we lost, we lost that as well. Yeah. James, you nearly went to Peterborough away, where we lost 4-0. Yeah. So... Saw building a picture, but then we reverse it and we did go to Lincoln. We did go to Rotherham, Wimbledon and Shrewsbury and a couple of home games I think Connor went to, which were all fantastic. So, uh, But we generally, we saw a lot of losses (laughs) as a pod, which um, we don't get any points for,
0: unfortunately. I feel like that Lincoln game was my favourite day of the season. It was just tremendous in every way like the sun was out sitting by a river i'd never been to lincoln either before so there's one to tick off the list
2: i call um, it i call it the day that gravity stood still <laughs> because of fossu and uh, mackie's goals yeah that fossu um goal for his hat trick
0: was still one of the weirdest kind of moments i've ever had celebrating a goal where i just thought it was going miles over but that that day was honestly absolutely incredible, and some of the weird scenes afterwards. Do you remember the um, telling the story of the the guy who took his shirt off and just threw a takeaway, um, a full bag of like Indian, at a policeman? And we just all sat there with beers, just staring at this whole thing playing out on the on the riverfront. It was um, it was glorious. Everything was just fantastic.
2: And we'll we'll <laughs> talk that about time. that story because this was I can't even do, do it justice in, in words, but it was like hitting someone from 50 yards away using a beach ball. It was, oh, it was amazing. It was, it was such a shot. And we'll talk about that for days gone by and the 6-0, obviously. We're going to talk about that. But no, I think you're right. That was an absolute highlight. But then we wobbled after Christmas and then we had the great run culminating in, in Shrewsbury. So yeah, it's um, it was inconsistent. But yet we were still third pushing on second by the, by the end yeah. of it. Um, we can't forget that. So... Yeah, I think it's worth just sort of picking out some of our own highlights really and just um just thinking about some of them. Because you've got mine's, you've Mine's definitely Lincoln,
0: Lincoln yeah. yeah. So Jack, what's yours?
1: Um I think like moment I uh, Taylor's header at Rotherham for some reason is the one that yeah. keeps yeah. coming back all the time. I again that was quite a interesting day out with our experience in the pub um and a few I mean, lots of flies, flies there? Yeah, and yeah. yeah um, I think I just scribbled um, going into the office at work and having people who'd watched us against Newcastle and Man City just say, blimey, you play good football, don't you? And we, we've kind of lost that a little bit the past couple of seasons or maybe even since Appleton left. So it does feel this season's kind of, I hate the term, but put us back on the map a little bit. Um, no,
0: I, I get that. And KR did say that in um, his interview with Jerome, I think. He was saying that now we're, we are on... Yeah. The football map, and people will take note, and that we're more relevant than we probably have been for twenty odd years or something, um, which is which is incredible. So, yeah,
2: I am. Um, I think I went for Newcastle in the FA Cup. Um, I think it's something to do with the fact it's on. It's kind of feeding into your point, Jack, about people seeing us and the great football we play. But admittedly, we didn't play that well for a long period of that game. But still, the the excitement we generated, and you get that whole. Being on the BBC, you get that sort of the neutrals watching it and seeing how good a team we are. Um, and then I remember the following morning at sort of the crack of dawn, going on the radio to speak to a, uh, I think it was Love Sport Radio, and uh, speaking to Martin Allen, his host. And their first question was, "Did I celebrate Kelly's equalise like a equaliser like a certain Newcastle fan did that night?" <laughs> <laughs> Thinking, what a great question to um, get the brain <laughs> working, but. I, from a more serious one, I I also really enjoyed um, Ipswich away, I and mean, we didn't go to it, but I thought was, oh, yeah. I thought yeah. it was one of the most professional performances an Oxford team's put in for a long while. I think we absolutely did a number on them and played really well. Um, Baptiste goal at home against Lincoln was a massive one as well, and I think I just I just generally enjoyed the Henry Taylor partnership emerging and uh, drooling over that on regular. You're course. right in the.
0: That um, Ipswich away game was was up definitely right up there for me as well. That remember the Sykes goal away at Wimbledon? I yes. felt that was really significant at the time. Um as well. That was huge. Uh then we had a really bad run or well a poor run after that. But um beating South End twice, we can't miss that. Can we, Jack?
1: Oh no, we that's we need to frame the results from this season highlight beating South End twice. Um <laughs> And the fact that we won, we won at Roots Hall so comfortably as well, and
0: yeah, didn't we score after like four seconds? Yeah, then, yeah, just, just... yeah.
1: <laughs> and then Aji scored that again, again. Oh yeah, he came on yeah. and scored almost instantly, and yeah,
0: yeah. Well, it's it's just been an unbelievable season. All those three nil wins consecutively as well um, at home, which just felt like it became the norm and it wasn't just standing we were kind of three nil up at half time in a few of them as well it wasn't it was weird feeling comfortable and being just yeah it was just being so at ease watching us play football but it was just glorious um (laughs) we've got some notable mentions in a list a list how do do we want to run through these jack did you pull these together
2: so I, I pulled this together. All oh, um, right, John, I'll, um, go on, do it. So I thought, well, I thought we'd be really miserable on this pod. So I thought I'll write down in very <laughs> quick sentences all the positive, stupid, weird, funny things that I could remember this season. And apologies if I've missed any of them out. But yeah. We
0: may have to pause as we go. Yeah, absolutely. Like on the, absolutely. Yeah.
2: Um, so the first one that sprang into my head, I don't know why, was the um, the beef with Columbus crew over Chris Cadden, <laughs> which culminated in us proposing a tournament in the middle of the Atlantic with um, <laughs> yes. us. Yes. Us Motherwell or whatever, whatever the Scottish team was, um, and themselves and the and the the beef on Twitter between various people and that that just seems such a world ago. We were debating Cadden versus Long for thirty minutes probably. Um, it's weird. It does for
0: me. It feels like a different season when Cadden was playing for us.
1: It does. Um, it really does. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I, I think. Yeah. It's just bizarre. But nothing's more cringe. American
2: soccer fans on Twitter. Oh, they they know what they're talking about. God. Anyway, that was, um yeah, I like that one. Um, what, This is no particular order. Um, an Oxford United player, randomly speaking at the UN, Cash Siddiqui. I don't think we'll yep, hear, yep. hear that before. Generally, when we saw the insane transformation in Rob Dickey's playing ability in start of the season. I think that took everyone by surprise. Can uh, I just interject? Um, who would you think would be the least likely to speak
0: at the UN in our current match squad? Jack.
1: <laughs> what, who's left? Um yep.
0: oh, Brannigan? Me. No.
1: Um, I think Sam Long's got to be up there.
0: Really? I, you know, yeah, I think Sanlon uh, comes across pretty well and Ruffles, right? Ruffles
1: speaks quite well as well. No. Moose, oh, no, 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 no oh, yeah. sorry,
0: sorry. I said the opposite. I, want, oh, the I said opposite. who's least likely. Yeah. Who would you least like to represent us at the UN?
2: Well, Mackie would have been the obvious if he's yeah. not. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter. We can move on. The joke's done. Yeah, it's done. Um, BT Sports Special. I think that was quite. Quite spectacularly brilliant for showing how we were yeah, doing things cool. things a bit differently from from other clubs. I watched some of the other ones and it was all a bit sort of bog standard, kind of behind the scenes stuff, but the focus on mental health stood out particularly. And I think that was about the time around. I think it was around the Newcastle game as well. we just suddenly getting all this kind of positive press. So that was really, really good. Um, getting control of the training ground. Again, seems an eternity ago we were talking about that, but that's a key building block yeah, and it happened massive. this season. I remember andy's delightful um description of the training crowd tour when he described the various colors of the paint and how many washing machines there were and <laughs> various things like that i'm sure he won't mind me oh. he knows i'm he knows i'm taking the piss if he's listening um and i think um jack and myself's half pint tour around burton before the game that was when i, I enjoyed i was driving so we only have half pint, so We had. Well, effectively four half. Yeah, twice. what did
0: you have? Twenty of them. Yeah,
2: twenty of them,
0: and then drove home. Yeah, That's <laughs> fine. It's a half. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But is, that... Bert, is Burton good for that? No. I, I've never really. Oh, I've spectacular. I've, I've, yeah. I've only ever really gone to that, um, like weird hotel type thing, um, on the side of a road. Like UK capital Bruin is Burton. Yeah.
2: Oh, okay. Well, I know. Yeah. Get yourself okay, on a what? half pint tour next time next season. Interesting. I'll do that. Um. MK Don's away when we ended up having a very posh pre match meal. <laughs> the story was we parked up and thought, right, where can we get a pint? Like most people. And uh, James, to his uh, genius, said, Well, oh, look, there's a sign for a restaurant here. Why don't we go up there and see if there's a bar? He ended up in Marco Pierre's restaurant, uh, <laughs> huddled on a table where they s- pointed out there was actually a perfectly reasonably priced match day special of a pint and a burger. And we sat there like 12, 12. Oh. 12- Four teenagers who uh, shouldn't have been allowed in the uh, grown-ups restaurant.
0: There were some weird people in there. It wasn't like people that wanted nothing to do with football that had just come along
2: to the... Yeah, anyway. It was like,
0: actually, it's actually within the stadium, isn't it? So
2: Yeah, it's all part of the sort of Strange. modern complex sort of things that things are these days. Um, I put the emergence of Dan Ebenezer, middle name, Adji. I think we all enjoyed... <laughs> The debates about what is he like and I think we'll still be talking about him every time he comes on the pitch but he's he had some moments where you could tell everyone wanted him to do well and, and score that goal against Shrewsbury yeah.
0: is the one that I, I, I after that I was like right there's something there's absolutely something about this guy it's not that he's just direct. Um, he, he's he's a player. I really, I, it's going to be really interesting to see what role he plays next year.
1: I hope he worked on his goal celebration over the summer because when he scored <laughs> against Burton, he just looked completely surprised and didn't know what to do. Um, so hopefully he'll he come back knees. and have some flips yeah. and stuff for, for next year. He season. had a
0: strong strong knee slide at Shrewsbury. Oh yeah, that's memory.
2: true. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, more of that, please, Dan. Absolutely. Um, the Milk Cup in 2010 player final re-watches on YouTube. I think that was a. For me, it was certainly a decent escape during sort of peak lockdown. Um, they were good fun. Um I think the club generally during the lock, time of lockdown was to be commended, really. Um, one of our own Connor got a call from Massino just to sort of see how he was getting yeah. on when he was um living solo in in Ireland. Um so I think but just generally from everything from what they've done for the playoffs and the general approach in the community's been, you know, you can't fault it and you wouldn't try and fault it, obviously. But I think that's been first class um i'd add into that the club podcast with simon watts chris and kath and jack as well they've all been fantastic um so much great and stuff coming from them and um you just get to find out so much more from people doing that sort of thing don't you i, lo- I loved i loved those i spent my paul moody
0: was the was probably my favorite <laughs> one it's just 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 uh, to be fair to the guy it sounded like he had some um you know some difficult things going on mentally. Um, So yeah, you can't begrudge him, but it. But I just found it hilarious that he um just didn't really care about football too much. And when he when it, when questions were posed about the club beyond his years, he was like, I don't know, I don't know. I like it was just very down to earth and
2: honest. But what he's a top bloke. I liked mate. um Robinson and Massey. Was one of my yeah highlights. Yeah. That was a really they just had really good chemistry between them and Jim
0: Magilton as well what a he was a brilliant speaker i thought um he knew he knew his stuff he was a good bloke
2: yeah and then banging our own drum our interviews with Jerome Nathan Nick Dave and and Mark they were um well they were good fun to do and i think we all learned so much about what those guys do for us as a as a fan base but equally just extracting a few nuggets of things and bits of gossip and um sort of just really enjoyed doing that i think nick gave us some great insights about his time behind the scenes at the club and obviously jerome is is the king and uh, i think he's, he's comfortably top of the listening figures last time i checked but they've been well listened to yeah. and um the feedback's been great to them as well and they were good fun to do they're, they're amazing we
0: owe, yeah we owe a debt to those guys um, and obviously they've been brilliant with inviting us onto things um since as well um but yeah, they were they were great fun, and obviously that filled helped to fill the void during a difficult time for everyone. I think so.
2: Yeah, Ace, absolutely. And then on a different case, we also um managed to uh, beat our friends at the uh, Fest Fence End Pod in a quiz, which was um <laughs> nev- never never I- never in doubt. I mean, they didn't have many people, did they? They didn't even turn up. The, the
0: best bit of that, though, even though um, we came out on top, be it that we had greater numbers, was the phone a friend for Fraser, wasn't it? Yeah, that absolutely. That was so Tiger's good. real name. Oh, yeah, that was it, wasn't it? I still can't, what is it? tanner tanner Kana
1: Janasu for something, isn't
0: oh, it? That's not bad, to be fair. But he nailed it straight off. I couldn't
2: believe it. And the production was slick as well. That was genuinely done live. I know. Amazing um, stuff. There we go. And then weirdly, but quite poignantly, because I wrote this list before the news about Jamie Mackey came out, but lastly in this list for no real reason was I think somebody else added this on actually, but Jamie Mackey's celebration versus Lincoln. <laughs> which was just random. But his goal it was, was a random. little it was a sort of a little turn and a, a it like My name. A very
1: Michael Jackson-esque turn and then kind of <laughs> lifted his shirt up so he could read his name. Kind of, It was, yeah, it was the most un-Jamie Mackey kind of, if you looked at him and said, what's he going to do? It wouldn't have been that, so yeah.
2: he's just warming up for his uh, his TikTok video that yeah. uh, obviously is going to propel him into a media career from, from now on. So yeah, I don't, awesome. I don't think, I mean, I'm sure there's loads of other good stuff that's gone on. Um, the work of Oxbox is another example. They've done some brilliant stuff, not just in the last couple of weeks around the playoffs, but, but all season. And um, yeah, I think um, there's so many other things I'm sure that has been going on around the club we can mention, but I thought it was good just to remember all the positive stuff that you said, James. It's been a really good season. Yeah, absolutely. And I think obviously we lost some
0: significant people. Yes. Um, in relation to the club as well this year and the way that the club handled all of that um jim smith um john schuker yeah and um mick vinter yeah exactly and so i, I, I yeah i've gotten no, I, I honestly think on and off the pitch we're just absolutely i'm so proud um of the club and i'm, I'm also proud that we get to do this and chat about it all the time so <laughs> um it's brilliant um just back to back to reality, because we didn't really talk about it. I know we're, we'll wrap up in a minute anyway, but um, what do people want in terms of signings going into the next three weeks based on what Tiger's said? If we're wrapping up things, who, who do we actually think we need? Did we say a couple of wingers? We know we need another, another striker, be it that um, Mackie's not there, but then Taylor's not signed yet. So is it just all the standard things? And the one that's on my... Jack, I want to know from you first. What do you reckon about the full back positions. I know we mentioned Jazz Richards, but do, is Ruffles do we need someone to push Ruffles? Um I we had no well, yeah. we had no left back cover, did we, at all this year? It's nuts. No, yeah. So we
1: we need another right back for sure. Whether that is to replace Sam Long or challenge. And yeah, we need experienced left back cover. I don't know. I think Ruffles has the shirt, but you know, if you bring someone to challenging him, it, it's only positive. So yeah. yeah, but both full-backs, definitely two wingers, probably two strikers for sure. Um, and then what depending on what about with midfielders, you never know. If, if Branigan does go, Kelly's gone. There's a bit of a hole
0: there. Do you think Kelly's, there's no chance of loaning him back? I don't know
2: how long his deal is. He was on three years at the at Nord, I think. And he's I think he's got two years left on that Um I think Reading, really? I think at least a year, um, I think he's generally rated by Reading still, and um, I don't think they would have sold him. Um, I mean, they obviously got a lot of money for him, and he got three years out of it. So I, I think it's a hard one, to be honest, um, to think about that. Um, the loan market will be the unknown for this. I mean, the quality of that, we seem to have a good record in the loan market over the last couple of seasons. So I think we can be confident around that.
0: Be it with um, Moose aging and probably stepping ever more towards the coaching role, which I think if he was honest about it at the beginning of last season, probably would have thought it was his last season. So considering that and considering where the Dickie's likely going to be heading off, we've got Atkinson obviously to come into the fold. He looks like a player, but obviously no experience whatsoever in, in, in the football league really.
2: One of the and things then, that was bothering me, sorry to interrupt you, is yeah is yeah. the age, the average age of our squad it's pretty low. And that, you know, Henrys and Prosper Taylor are the two oldest. But in cross the defence, we, we, I wouldn't be surprised if another centre-back came in who's perhaps a bit older. Atkinson, I was just going
1: to say that. I can see someone coming in that's younger than Moose, but older than the other two.
2: Yeah, because At- yeah. Atkinson's not a guarantee. Yes, on paper, he sounds exactly what... The, what we should have been planning for and will work out but if he doesn't work out for whatever reason then we're a bit stuffed and Elliot Moore I think he's sort of at the moment like a number two centre-back if that makes yeah. sense so I think I wouldn't be surprised to see a centre-back come in um, I think we need to and it's hard one to tell because he may have had been carrying an injury all season I think there's a debate or a question around Eastwood and that's firmly banking and we've used this phrase a few times he's in so much credit and um, but if he wants to move back north and it might be a time to look at that, I think this season he's had bad spells and then he's come back and been very good and then you sort of see a few odd things creeping in um i think i, I don't I, I don't want to be controversial but i I'm really not
0: i i think easty's been fantastic he's been a great servant for the club but i don't I don't think he had a great season at all um this year, and there was definitely times and I remember it because of the pod where we were going from pod, jumping from pod to pod, where we were talking about another. Um, Benny, Benny Hill. Another... moment. Well, yeah, just the uh, words you
2: I, used. Yeah. I, was...
0: I remember just times where, yeah, I don't know. I think it's his, it's the decision-making. I'd never like his distributions fine. His shot stopping largely is, is there, but it's like his decisiveness when coming for crosses, the, the mistakes that have crept in. I, I think it would be a good opportunity for him um to move on and for us to to look at to look elsewhere but there's plenty of goalkeepers out
2: there that's the sort of brutal yeah. reality football manager hat on not that I can do that but you know what i mean um i think yeah it's just as ever he's one that beyond deserves praise and credit and thanks yeah, if he doesn't on. Sure. Well.
0: what about um yeah i think that's that's probably it then i'm i'm just i'm really keen to see what we do with the centre backs and those atkinson videos um where was he eastley right yeah and he was—he seemed to be very similar to Dicky in that he was bringing the ball out regularly from the back. And Elliot Moore, whilst I've seen him do it, that's not going to be his thing as much. So the, you imagine the other centre back to to create that option and that kind of different dynamic in the squad, similar to how Rob Dicky goat went on the marauding runs, then found a pass to bring bring someone in. Um, you imagine that's the type of player we'll be looking for. It's going to be really interesting to see what we do. Um. Cool. Well, that's about that. So this is the last episode of the season. And as I was saying, obviously, before we before we kicked off recording today, that it's weird because I kind of prepped this little kind of speech being like, oh, thank you everyone for listening. And what an emotional season it's been. And we'll see you next year. Anticipating going off on a big break of not doing a pod for months. But as we say, the season's bloody coming back. So... We've done 43 episodes this year. We think we've racked up like 50 to 60 hours of just chatter, which (laughs) people seem to loosely enjoy. Um, Nearly 20,000 listens. Um, Just a huge shout out, honestly, for everyone that has uh, obviously listened to the pods, has given feedback, have got involved with things on Twitter, have called us knobs in whatever, just anything. It's, It's all good. Um, and obviously, as we said before, thanks to all the Radio Oxford guys and um, Dave and Mark from the Oxford Mail and the people that have come on. It's been brilliant. And um, yeah, all the pe- what was the, the particular highlight of um, the story, the intel that we got? The guy didn't want to be named, but he was the guy that went to Dwight Tiandali's gym. And uh, he gave us that story that Dwight rocks up. What was he wearing? It was like Me? a Swansea kit with Leroy Fer's yeah, yeah. name on the back. <laughs> just full kit every time at the gym. It's just amazing. He's probably still there right now. The gym's open again. He probably never left. <laughs> but um yeah, we're ending up we're bro- ending on Dwight T and Dali. We didn't think, we didn't think, we didn't think <laughs> this through. We're we? ending the whole season on Dwight T and Dali. And um just a big shout out to some of our more niche listeners in the United Republic of Tanzania um as well as vietnam madagascar i i want to know if you're the madagascan yellow please give us a shout what about the rwandan yellow um there's some weird places but you can see where our pods are listened to but i'm i'm fascinated by that if you're in a weird country weird weird's a bad word if you're in a different country (laughs) then um give us a shout we want we want a picture um and yeah, we'll probably be back, I imagine, once stuff kicks off with regards to transfers. But again, um, thanks for everyone that's listened this season and um hope lockdown life is uh treating you well and we'll catch you again soon. Cheers. Cheers, Jack.
1: Cheers, James. Thank you very much.
0: Th- thank you, John. Thank you, James. Thank you, Jack. Excellent and work we'll as you- ever. And we'll see you later.